Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys made it to church, so I assume, you know, you got daylight savings, you know, taken care of. You'd be surprised, Sun City, we didn't have a lot of people there. I guess their phones don't update, you know, those flip phones, so they had a little tougher time. I know, I know, I know. Hey, they made fun of me quite a bit up there, right? They said I didn't own any pants, so I was getting pretty roasted when I got there. I I blame Mike, but I think Sun City put him up to it, so, but... I'm excited to be here. I'm Patrick. I work here with the youth group and children's ministry and a bunch of other ministries as well. I really just get to help people. Like Dylan was saying, Crystal, Tara, that team, awesome for children's ministry. So if your kids are thinking about that Kids D class, I definitely recommend it. So today, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions, okay? And these questions, you don't need to respond, you know, if I'm going to say, hey, what is your deepest, darkest sin? Don't yell it out, okay? Keep it, think about it, keep it inside you, just, you know, just to save you some embarrassment there. But one question that I have for you guys is, have you ever had an advertisement that's popped up and it was nothing that you ever searched for? It was maybe something you were talking about, maybe something you were thinking about, and then all of a sudden, you started getting those advertisements for it. Has that happened to anybody? Yeah, yeah? I know it's happened to Josh, just because the other day, we went to a Renew retreat with our youth group, and while we were there in the big meeting room, they had one of those giant fans. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those big old fans? They've got one over there at Hartels. It's got a funny name to it. I'm not going to say it up here, but it's these giant fans. And so me and Josh were talking about that just because we're in that room. We're looking right at it. And about a week later, when we got back to church, Josh came up to me and he goes, dude, you'll never guess what advertisements all of a sudden started popping up on my phone. And it was that big fan. So one of two things is happening, right? Either we're about to get a big fan here in the sanctuary or that phone was like listening to us. And isn't it crazy that those advertisements that we're getting are starting to get so specific to you, where it's almost like these advertisements know you better than you know yourself, right? They're listening to you. It sees what you're looking up. Me personally, I look up a lot of YouTube videos on like how to do things fast, how to fix it myself. So I get all those advertisements all the time. Try to like, and sometimes they're too personal right? Like right after the holidays and I've gained some holiday weight and I've been complaining about it. It'll be like, how to lose 50 pounds real quick. And I'll be like, wasn't that much holiday weight? Like, gosh, phone. But like, it's so to you. So I've got another question. This is one that you don't need to say out loud, but is there anything in your life that you're having a tough time getting control over? This could be drinking, mood swings, your temper, sexual desires, anxiety, spending, Do you show up every day to your house with mountain of boxes from Amazon in front of your porch, right? Maybe you have a spending problem. Maybe that's hard to keep under control. If any of those resonate with you, I know some of them should, we all have something that we struggle with. And that brings us to the question of the day. I told you, lots of questions today. But the question of the day is, why do I do what I don't want to do? And I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that. Me personally, I ask myself that all the time. I think that's why Brian was like, ah, Someone who does something they don't want to do all the time. Pat would be great for this sermon series. So I'm up here today for that. But to answer that question, what do I, what, why do I do what I don't want to do? 
I want to break that up into three separate parts. And we're going to be looking at what Paul has to say about that because even the Apostle Paul had to wrestle with that. But first, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not, you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want to do. So when you are a believer, you have this inner conflict, this battle that's raging inside you. And what that is, it is your old sin nature that's been inherited from Adam that's going to make you want to do your old sin nature. But then you also have, if you're a believer, you have this other nature, this new nature that wants to do God-given good things. And because of that, you have this internal battle inside you that's fighting. And that is for all believers. Paul paints a really good picture of this in Romans 7. So bear with me. We're going to be in Romans 7, 15. It is a bit of a tongue twister, okay? There's a lot of do's in there. So bear with me on this. It's going to be a little complicated. And then, I, forgive me, I have a different translation. It's actually an older NIV translation, so it's going to be just a little bit different than what's up there. It's close enough that you'll see most of the words as well, but it's a little bit different, so you won't know when I mess up, okay? So guys, follow along with me. It's, it's close. It's just an older version of the NIV. Okay. Whew. Tongue twister. All right. So verse 15, Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. But it is no longer myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. This is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now, if I do... If I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body, this subject to death? Oh, tongue twister. I know it's a little bit confusing, but what Paul is saying here, thank you. Oh, what Paul is saying here is, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? I know what I'm supposed to do, but I continue to do what I don't want to do. Can you guys relate with that? Is that something that's happened for you guys? You know there's something you should do, but just to do it is like, ugh, not going to do that. And that battle, what Paul's talking about here, it produces things when you have this battle. It produces an outcome. And we're going to walk through it today because he talks about it in Romans. The first thing that it's going to produce, wanting to do something but not actually doing it, it's going to confuse you. Paul says here, he says, I do not understand what I do. Why do I keep making the same mistakes? That's, I feel like that's a question all of us can relate to. Why do I keep making the same mistakes. And I don't know if you guys remember this game. I hope you do, because I do, and I don't want to be too old here. Um, Whack-a-mole. You guys know Whack-a-mole, right? Pretty common game. 
And that's where the, the mole comes up, you smack it down, more come up, and you keep smacking it down. And it's funny, that game, it's super simple, but it really represents a lot of how our Christian walk can be. That we will have some of these sins in our life that pop up, okay? When they pop up, we think we've got it under control, we think we got a handle of it, we smack them down, and you know what happens? Pops up again. Smack it down, think you've got it under control, pops up, pops up, and then they all pop up, right? And then it's just too much to handle. Do you guys relate with that? I feel like most people I talk to have some, has dealt with something like that. And it might be with a lot of sins, or it could just be a certain, like a certain few sins that just keep popping up in your life. And when you don't understand what you want to do, that is a confusing place to be. Very confusing place to be. And when that continues to happen, you get frustrated, right? You get confused because you don't know what you're doing, and then you get frustrated. Paul says in Romans 7, 17, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Have you guys ever done a New Year's, resolu New Year's resolution? All right, we're in March. Did anyone do one this year? Is anyone still doing it? Right? I know I had one. I wanted to start working out a lot more. I didn't even sign up for a gym, guys. Like, that didn't even happen. Right? Diets for me, that's tough. Right now, I'm trying to be a little bit healthier, but man, a balanced meal is two Big Macs. That is a balanced meal. Like, that's what I want. So that is tough, tough to do. And it's, it's confusing and it's frustrating. It's frustrating not to be able to, to do what you want. These self-help books, these Instagram videos that try to help me do, make me a better person. They're great. It's good advice. I can be told to do something, but if I lack the power to do it, I'm going to be frustrated. So now I'm confused. I'm frustrated, and that brings us into our third thing. You are then discouraged. Let's see what Paul has to say in Romans 7.24. I am a wretched man. Who will rescue me from this body of death? You can hear Paul's discouragement here, and that is not where you want to be. If you can continue to not know what you're doing, know what you need to do, but not be able to do it, it's discouraging. It makes you not want to try to do anything. It makes you just feel, <sighs> makes you feel like there is no winning, right? When you say, I'm a wretch, that means you're, you're at the end of your rope, right? There is nothing you can do to solve these problems. At least that's what Paul is saying here. And it's, it's so tough. And this is our problem, right? This is, I don't know what, I, what I'm doing. That is our problem. But God has a promise for us. And it's a promise of freedom from this from this battle, which is so awesome. If you look over in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh, I love that statement. I love hearing about the truth and the truth will set you free. But even when I say the word truth, in today's society, that can mean a lot of different things, right? It could be my truth, your truth, whatever is relative. If I'm being sincere, is that true? Truth is hard to know. But right here, what Jesus is telling his disciples in John, he is saying, if you know the truth, you have freedom. So if you don't have truth, there is no freedom. So we do have something that is true, something that we can go to in our lives that is 100% what we can follow. But I don't think that's really the culture of today. And I was actually hearing about a story that kind of goes with what I'm saying about the culture. And I wanted to tell you guys that story today. And so there is a parent, his name is Michael, and he was going to a parent-teacher conference kind of 
to like meet your teachers in the beginning of school, see what you're going to learn and all that. And he had a junior high student and he's going to be learning algebra. So he's in that math class meeting the teacher and there's some algebra questions on the board. All right, three of them. He's pretty smart. He's working through them in his head and he notices one of them is wrong. So he waits for a good time to bring it up to the teacher and says, hey, that problem's wrong. Teacher at first kind of fights back and goes, no, if it's correct, I wouldn't have made that mistake. And then kind of Michael then sits there and goes, well, this is easy to prove. Let's use math. And he proves that that answer was wrong. The teacher then kind of backs up a little bit and says, well, that brings into my next point about what we're going to be teaching, what we're going to be doing this year in my class. We're not going to be grading by the answers. We're going to be grading by group participation. So we want our students to gather together to learn problem-solving ideas to then solve the problem. And Michael's not happy with this, right? He knows math, and he talks to the teacher and goes, hey, there was an equal sign on the board. That means there can be only one answer to the right of that equal sign, okay? That's how math works. And she said, that's just not what we're looking to do here. This actually starts kind of a debate between the parents in the room. And they're going back and forth. It's like, is that right? Is it better to be graded you know, with everybody together? And actually, most of the parents sided with the teacher that they'd rather be graded as a group in solving problems and actually finding the right answer. And the teacher explains it to Michael like this. He, she says, hey, have you ever seen the movie Apollo 13? In that movie, there's a scene where there's a bunch of scientists, and they put out a lot of materials, and they say, hey, make me a filter. And these scientists go together and they make this awesome filter. And that's what we're trying to do here at the school. We're trying to put everybody together so we can have great solutions. And he's looking at her, just still, you know, a little dumbfounded. And he goes, okay, since you used Apollo 13, later in that movie, when the capsule is trying to, you know, come back to Earth, it has the wrong trajectory, right? They have to do math to figure it out right to save these astronauts. And then Michael says, and if these guys would have learned math from you, we would have three dead astronauts. <laughs> oh, that's a little harsh, right? That is harsh. But when is a better time to, to say, you know, the truth is important? That really brings it up to my next thing. Is the truth valuable? Guys, the truth is so valuable. It is the difference between life and death. That's not only in math, that's in our life as well. The truth is so important because, like I said, the truth will set you free. Something I want you guys to remember, and if you don't remember anything else, this is something super important to remember. Behind every self-defeating act is a lie that I am believing. I'm gonna say that one more time. Behind every self-defeating act is a lie that I am believing. Why do we do what we don't wanna do? We are believing some kind of lie. That's what it is. It could have been something that we learned on the playground, could have been something we learned a long time ago, or something that we even creatively thought of our, on our own, and we're putting that lie on situations in our life. And when we deceive ourselves, we defeat ourselves. But because of that every self-defeating act is a lie that I am believing, we know that that's bad for us. And what that is, is you're believing something that you think is going to produce a better outcome than what God has said, right? And that could be anything. It could be, ooh, if I say this little lie, I get to avoid this big problem, and that's a better outcome. I, believe, I know that's how that's going to end up. But what you're doing is you're, you're, you're believing a lie. 
God is telling us the exact things that we need to do. If we think we know better, right, then God doesn't know better. Then what kind of God are we, are we serving? God knows everything. God is way more powerful than we are. When we believe these lie, it's self-defeating. It is self-defeating. And I know what this whole thing is going to boil back down to. What is truth? What is truth? That is a huge question today. And it's actually a super, a super simple answer. And I want us to flip over to John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. So if Jesus said that, that I am the truth, and that's it, that's all we get to believe that. He is the truth. And what is that? That is God's word. Anything that God says is true. So we can believe in God's word that that is true. And God's word is going to set us free. So we had this problem, right? Why do I do the things that I want to do? God has a promise for us. That promise is that he can take care of anything, right? If we rely on him, he can take care of anything. And God has a plan for change. And that is in the Bible. That is where we get to find out that plan for change, is that truth and in that word. The main thing, there's three things that we want to do to learn God's plan. The first one is you have to acknowledge the root of your problem. The root of our problem is sin. We have a sin nature. That is the root of our problem. We want to do bad things. The spirit living inside of us, God wants us to do good things. That is that, that, is that battle right there. Sin, an easy definition for sin, I know there's a lot, but the one we're going to use today, an easy definition is sin is playing God. When you sin, you're thinking that you know better than God. It's doing what you want to do and not doing what God wants you to do. And that's, that is an easy definition is sin. And I know this might sound corny, but what is the middle letter in sin? It's I, right? I. So what is the root of the problem? I have a sin problem. I have a problem. It's an I problem. It's a me, myself, and I. And Paul, he explains that I problem very well in chapter 7. He says I 27 times. 27 times he says I in chapter 7 in Romans. That's a lot of times to say that. I know that's an easy word to go there and maybe not say your name, but man, 27 times. That is a lot. I want you guys to look over in John, 1 John 1, 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not with us. I want you guys to circle deceive, deceive, deceive. When we claim to be without sin, when we say that there is no sin, there is no problem, what do we not have? No truth. Without truth, we do not have freedom. We do not have peace of mind. We are struggling with this battle. Okay, guys, truth is super, super important. All right, I've been asking a lot of questions, so let me ask another tough question for you guys, okay? Is there something in your life that you are avoiding and acting like it is not a problem? Some sins we know that we deal with. We know that that's a problem in our life. Are there some that we're just not dealing with that we're pretending are not a problem in your life? It could be even relationships, could be with a kid, could be with a spouse could be a, a relationship at work, could be expectations or guilt. Is there something that you're not dealing with? Because not dealing with it 
you can't, if you don't address it, if you don't find that root of that problem, you can't move on through this plant. That is number one. Paul, in chapter seven, he goes through, I, 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 I am a wretch. I, uh, in verse 25, right after he says he's a wretch, he has the, he has the answer. Okay, and we'll get there. We're almost there. But the big problem there is pride. The big problem there is deceiving yourself. And you can't get healthy. You cannot until you find the root of the problem. The next thing that we need to do is we need to believe that Jesus can change us, that God has the power to change us. That is so, so important. In, uh, in Romans 24 and 25, who will rescue me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is not a formula. It's not influencers. It's not people giving you good advice. It's, it's Christ. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. That is the answer. That is what's going to change you. Relying on that alone is what's going to change you. That is what we need to do. So what you need to do is you need to find the root of your problem, and you need to believe that Jesus can change that, that Jesus can take off everything that you're worried about, take that battle, and make it easier for you. You have to believe that. In Romans 8.2, Paul says, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin. It's the power of Christ that helps him, the power of Christ that is so so important. So you have to find the root problem. You have to believe that Christ can change you. And third, and this is probably the toughest, you have to completely dedicate yourself to Christ. You have to completely dedicate yourself to Christ. In Romans 6, 12 and 13, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Instead, give yourself up completely to God. Paul makes this, this, this announcement in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I no longer live. I no longer have an I problem. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Christ. That is how he's solving that I problem. And you know what? Some of the greatest contradictions or one of the like, craziest things in the Bible is even Romans 7 through Romans 8. In Romans 7, Paul uses the word I 27 times. In Romans 8, Paul uses it, or Paul uses the Spirit 22 times. In Romans 7, Paul says, I am a wretched man. In Romans 8, Paul says, I am a conqueror. What is the difference between Romans 7 and Romans 8? It's the spirit. He's no longer relying on himself. He is relying on a better source, the source that is gonna give him the power, not good advice, but the source that is giving him the power to overcome this battle. And that is so, so awesome. Paul was a slave to sin. He was a, a miserable, wretched man, but then all of a sudden, Paul calls himself a conqueror in Romans 8. I love that. I love that. That is so so huge. And we have this choice, right? We have this choice where we can either let God decide what's going to happen in our lives, that we can look to him, or we can control it on our own. Or we can let people influence us. We can let expectations influence us, guilt influence us. We can let the world influence us. And if God is not the number one influence in your life, something else is. 
And that influence, no matter what, is not positive. It's negative. The only positive influence that's number one in your life should be Christ, should be God, should be seeking to live life with God within the Holy Spirit, relying on him to tell you what to do and to move forward, not relying on yourself. I'm really big into basketball. I love basketball. One of my favorite players is Larry Bird. You guys know Larry Bird? I know it's a little bit older. I know a lot of the younger kids wouldn't get this reference, but I'm a big fan. They call me Larry Bird sometimes just because I play the post position. It's a very short guy. It's very ironic, but I do love that player. And an interesting story came out of his retirement. So as Larry Bird is retiring, his old coach, Casey Jones, comes up to give this kind of speech. And what he's talking about, he's talking about an in-game kind of the team's getting ready, they're huddling up, and they're trying to make a, like a last call kind of play to win the game. Okay? So they're all huddled up. The coach is making a diagram. He's going through the plays. And then Larry Bird comes out there and says, hey, get me the ball. Get out of my way. And the coach goes, hey, I'm the coach. You can't say that. And he looks to the other team teammates and he goes, hey, get Larry the ball and get out of his way. Right? We have that same choice. We can rely on the Holy Spirit to live our life. Right? We do not have to do it on our own. When we worry about ourselves, that is what's going to keep us stumbling. That's what's going to be tough. Hand it to the master. Right? Do you want me to make that shot? Or do you want Larry Bird to make that shot? Right? I'm going to trust in Larry Bird all day. I'm going to trust in Jesus all day for that, for this inner battle. Because without him, you will be confused, you will be frustrated, and you will be discouraged. It can be tough. Because I think when we think about God and we think about like letting our life be led by the Holy Spirit, this word comes up and it's a word I hate and it's surrender. I hate surrender. I want to win that game. Like That seems like a, a bad word, but it's not. It's not a bad word. To surrender is not a bad word. To surrender to someone who has more power than you, who knows and wants the best for you. To, sur to surrender to somebody who doesn't want the best for you, yeah, don't do that right? That's not good. You're going to walk the plank, right? But if you surrender to someone who cares about you, that is a good thing. And I will always remember this story. There's not many times I make my dad really, really mad. I'm going to leave you guys with this, but this was a time I did. And I was in high school. I should have known better, but I was coming home from the bus and was going to get inside my house. Our front door was kind of acting funny and I wasn't, I wasn't able to unlock it. And so I was like, I'm a smart guy. I'm going in the back. So I go back there, the back door doesn't work there either. So lock, nothing's working. And so I'm in my mind, I think I'm a sophomore at this time. And I'm like, I need to get inside. How do I do this? And I'm thinking through my brain, I'm like, ah, YouTube, duh. And so I'm like, ah, easy way to get inside. I'll bust down the door. That's a simple solution. That sounds fun. Never busted a door down before. Let's do it. So, and I'm smart. I'm going to do the back door, not the front door, right? Like I'm smart about this. No. Um, so I bust down the back door. It's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but man, I didn't realize the damage I was going to cost to the door frame. My dad could have been 10, 15 minutes behind me, right? Like I bust this door frame open. And I, a DUI trying to guy, I YouTube how to fix the door frame. I got wood glue all in it. I got wood staples in it. It looks worse than it did when I busted it. My dad gets home and he gives me a lot of advice. First off, don't bust the door. That's expensive. Glass is way cheaper in a lot of areas of the house. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that wisdom. I wanted to do this on my own. I had pride in the situation, and I had a busted door at the end of the situation. 
Did I solve my problem? I got in the house and I got my gushers for snack time. I solved my problem. But man, my life was a little bit harder for a couple, uh, couple of weeks after that. Like I said, my dad's not normally disappointed, but that is a time in my life I will always remember, man, maybe there's sometimes I need to look to somebody else or ask somebody else for advice. And I encourage you guys to do the same. The truth is in the Bible. Jesus cares about you. He's there for you. And the Holy Spirit will be there with you. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we get to go together. We get to read together these words that Paul and you have written, that this is the truth, that we can rely on that, that we don't have to be confused and frustrated. We don't have to be discouraged, but yet we can have freedom in living life with you, knowing that you are the truth. Thank you so much for helping us with even our problems that we have here on this world. I love you so much. Thank you. Amen.